I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wegovy and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right, my motherfuckers. Thanks for tuning back in again. We've gotten through a lot already. Now let's keep talking about how we actually heal You'll notice it's a longer conversation today because there's a whole lot for us to wrap up here. All our prior conversations engaged. So you remember our earlier talk in the series on stabilizing, processing, and integrating. Yeah, we're coming back today to talk about that integration point. It felt like it needed to be pulled up as a deeper, separate discussion about what that shit really means, because it's a long recovery process, maybe what you would consider the ultimate focus of our lifetimes. So let's get into it with some serious focus. The thing with integration is we have to do it internally as well as externally. When we talk about doing trauma work, We're actually discussing a lot of things, but usually it's very much internal. There's inner work, like the acknowledgement and recontextualization of these past memories. There's the old emotions that have to be experienced and then released. The mental rewiring, as we call it, to divert unwanted thought pathways to new ones and the forming of new perspectives and validation of ones you've doubted. Really, a lot of activities that would fall into the processing stage. But then, alongside that inner work, there's all the physical body work that we have to do too. Healing our ailing meat suits, which have probably taken a beating. Bringing our nervous systems back into alignment. Refinding ourselves in our bodies before we can do any of the above. And we don't stop there, because we also have to take all those healthier outlooks, emotions, and bodily connections, and then bring them into a new physical product to recreate our actual lives, to put new behaviors into place, new goals, 
to develop better external conditions that enable our inner changes to keep taking place, expanding, and coming to fulfillment. Otherwise, all of this is a lot like putting lipstick on the innards of a pig and tossing her back into the slop yard. Essentially, you'll build up a new brain through internal effort and therapy just to put it back into conditions that will, sorry, revert all that work back to original programming. Remember how our family tethering will stop our brains from being able to progress? It's the same thing here. If your old circumstances don't match your renovated brain cells, the older and more well-connected brain cells are going to win. They'll be ignited by similar stimulation events, your brain will automatically respond, and you'll be forced to battle with your head trying to bring it back into the right perspective, the right instructional system. Over time, you'll probably stop fighting it so hard and your brain will just do what it does the same trauma patterns and programs as always. So this reintegration portion is pretty critical for maintaining our work and allowing for more work to be done. If we aren't in healing environments, living healing lives, we stop healing. We don't have the factors that we need to keep getting in there and plucking at mental wires. If you want a truly not trauma-derived life, you're going to have to integrate your inner and outer changes. So when we talk about this treatment flow of stabilization, processing, and integration, what's the integrative part? We keep saying making changes, but what does that really mean? Well, integration happens in two ways from the way my brain sees it. There's the internal bringing together of a lot of bits of information, first of all. We need our newly formed views to mesh. We need a continuous sense of self, a cohesive autobiographical recall. And to have any of this happen, we also need to get in touch with our parts and bring those compartmentalized sections of ourselves back together. Then there's the physical reintegration of your newly renovated brain, re-meeting your body and physical reality. It has to recognize its own meat suit every day, continuously. It has to re-emerge in the world and confront whatever trauma challenges may wait on the other side. And your brain needs to be consciously expanded outwards in the sense that all your inner work needs to result in outward changes in order for your brain and the world to be in alignment. You can't, for instance, realize all the fucking nonsense you've already seen and form a new self-concept around that autobiography, defining who you really are and who you're meant to ultimately become, only to return to the same old life as you had before. The purpose of complex trauma recovery is to break old, often generational patterns with real physical outcomes that improve our existence. And that means behavioral change is necessary. So we have a lot of work to do when we're talking about reintegration. Where do we start? Let's run through some recovery processes. 
first things first in my book, well, this could be seen as related to the stabilization phase of treatment as well, but I think it hits both points. To get reintegrated, I think we need to initially get reawakened to the fact that we really exist, as in we are here, contained physically, in a body, in a fairly predictable model of time-space. For me, being in a trauma state means that I can acknowledge none of those things as I'm reduced to a bundle of nerves and brain cells that are just frantically operating each day with no real sense of tether to time. The voice and pictures in my head become the only things I'm aware of as physical reality goes streaming by unnoticed. And that starts from the inside out. We have to get re-aware of our own brains in our bodies, reconnecting those two systems. Quick throwback to the episode on the DMN, the damn default mode network. We have poor somatic sense of self, poor awareness of being here encapsulated in protein. And that needs to be rectified for us to feel a sense of grounding, control, and embodiment. So there are a ton of ways to do this, but the prominent ones are going to be physical exercise, meditation, and doing a lot of nothing, a lot of flowy things, or just giving yourself a lot of resting breaks so that you can re-find yourself in your bod instead of dismissing it while running off to the next task. Can you do yoga about it? Yeah, sure. Can you take up walking, jogging, or a hiking practice? Mm-hmm. Can you just sit and touch some goddamn grass or soft things in your environment? Absolutely. Seek out rich sensory experiences and things that force you to feel your body working. That's the point. Reconnect with your bod consistently in the ways that work for you. Yeah, it's a whole conversation, but you have to do what fits in your life and hits on the sensory experiences that are most poignant or previously lacking for you, because you're going to have to practice being in your body repeatedly, religiously, daily. But once you are back in that fleshy prison, you'll probably find that there's a lot of work that you still need to do. Oh, shit. This anxiety is overwhelming. Oh, there are the emotions I've been ignoring for the past two years. Hey, that looming health matter I've been putting on the back burner really sucks from in here. And you're going to have to tackle those demons first. Turns out managing anxiety is sort of stage one of trauma recovery. You can do it physically or cognitively. I recommend a dual approach always questioning if your prevailing thoughts are real or your brain is obsessing over potential happenings in a doomsaying future time orientation that's not helpful or accurate. And also using your physical awareness to bring your brain back into the current moment where you see, hey, seems like we're still fucking breathing, so everything is fine. <laughs> Work through that anxiety it's a huge gatekeeper to the trauma recovery experience. The health issues might hit you next, and they're going to take some effort to resolve. Fuck with that insurance application. Make those doctor's appointments. Start that elimination diet. 
make time to fit in some sort of regular exercise regime that, again, you don't hate, can actually maintain, and maybe get some other benefit from, like time and space to think your thoughts. Yes, it sucks getting all of this accomplished after a long bout of maybe forgetting to in a depressive spiral. But you won't have a ton of success in trauma recovery if your teeth are still rotting out of your face, your health is seemingly uncontrollable, and you face near-daily ailments of any sort. That shit is triggering, anxiety-inducing, disempowering, and distracting. Once you do get through the anxiety and the ailments, though, you'll find those fucking emotions. This is where sitting and doing a lot of nothing or gently engaging in something that's low stress and flowy is going to help you a lot. Emotions take not only time, space, and energy to deal with, but also some enticing to let them come up, to explore them completely. If you feel unsafe or rushed, you're not going to be successful. Now, to have emotions and let them go, I recommend grounding in your body and noticing what's coming up, meaning dropping out of your headspace into the core of your body, shifting your energy and attention from one area to another, and then leaning into whatever you find there. Like when you have a migraine or other physical pain and attempt to distract yourself from it, that shit won't really work. The problem will just get worse. It's the same here. If you accept that it's happening and instead focus more of your attention on it, you actually kind of come to peace with the sensory event. It hurts less somehow, fully acknowledging the feeling, and your feelings are not different. Plus, unlike one of those physical wounds, once you have the emotion, when you do lean in, get present with it, decide what it is, and contextualize it, then the emotion goes away. You get through it. The biochemical reaction is over and you are done. So you're gonna have to get real with yourself. Believe that feelings can't kill you as long as you actually experience them and let them go. Otherwise, they absolutely can. And from those feelings, you can do a lot of additional, deeper, inner work. Because those emotions are going to bring memories with them, and they contain the stories that created those feels. So acknowledging the feelings means you have a pathway to discovering parts of your story that haven't been processed or processed fully yet. And when you dig into those recollections, you have the opportunity to bring them together into one lifelong tale. Shout out again to our fragmented memories, creating a fragmented sense of self and disjointed autobiographical recollection. We're never going to stop saying it. Not to mention those still alive emotions and memories are also what we could call parts. Those are your parts. <laughs> so we can use our feelings to get in touch with these prior compartmentalized versions of us pieces of our tales that we've pushed away and forgotten about, or really tried to forget about. 
deeply exploring what our emotions hold also gets us in touch with these compartmentalized bits of yourself. But it takes a lot of curiosity, self-acceptance, and inner exploration while giving yourself plenty of, yeah, time, space, and energy to do the work. When you do get in contact with these oppositional views of yourself and narratives about your life so far, then you'll be in a power position, fucker, as far as inner work goes, because you now get to rewrite your story. You can dispel prior perspectives born of trauma times, including editing your negative self-appraisals, re-examining and challenging your self-limiting beliefs, identifying and altering the structures in your life that have created past upset, and processing past experiences of fear with new information and outlooks on those events. You get to create all new perspectives intentionally based on your prior and current day perceptions and all the new knowledge that you've gained. When you identify what has happened in the past and doesn't work for you all the way up to the present, you get to create these new frameworks for life and programs for moving through it. And when you pull all of those pieces together into one outlook on life, one direction you're headed in, one set of beliefs, one sense of self, you can consider yourself internally integrated. This is when we finally enter into the phase of external reintegration. But give yourself a hand because that internal part has already been a lot of work. Now we're going to be taking all of that, those new perspectives, and expanding them outward into physical reality, making actual change. Of course, this is a lofty and overwhelming consideration when we realize how holistically we've been boned by trauma patterns so far. So I suggest we start by making small behavioral changes first. You want to do this by replacing old destructive actions with new ones that serve a similar function but benefit us somehow. For instance, if smoking was your crutch for recentering or numbing out, instead you could take a lap around the block and practice being in your body in a healthy way. New behavior, similar function, but it's not killing you or creating further T-word problems. So analyze your behaviors, what doesn't fit with your new inner world, set of perspectives, and intentions. Pick one thing at a time, assess what purpose it has had in your life, how is it stabilizing, distracting, or a disassociative crutch, and how can you replace it with a healthier behavior that will serve what you're actually trying to accomplish? Like, too much disassociation time as an effort to avoid unwanted thoughts and feelings, swap out phone or TV time with journaling, not enough physical action because your day exhausts you, switch your morning routine for one that starts with moving your ass so you don't burn out before the time comes. Start simple, be analytical and intentional about what you do, And realize that it'll take 30 to 60 days for your brain to put these behaviors in the regular habits category, but you will feel less mental resistance within the first week of practicing. 
Then just keep reflecting on the difference you're experiencing in yourself in order to keep motivated through those first few months. Another great point for journaling and note keeping. So get a new routine under your belt, new coping skills and habits that actually help you, and start building your new life in your immediate environment through your own actions being recalibrated. Then it's time to change our environments and life structures, make our entire lives reflect what we've got going on on the inside. If you've been following along in the series, you might want to revisit that episode on self-limiting structures and relationships. Give it some serious thought if you haven't already. What's been holding you back from your real, full self-embodiment? What's absorbing all your time, space, and energy so that you can't apply it elsewhere where it really matters? Notice, name, and break down these structures as much as possible to understand what specifically is not working for you. Now, this can be tricky because it can seem like one factor is the problem. This job is taking all my time, space, and energy. But with deeper reflection, you might actually realize, you know, it's my emotionally unbounded relationship with so-and-so that interrupts and complicates my work days and then leaves me scrambling over time. So assess those things carefully, assess how they interplay with each other, how they all fit together. What really does impact you the most significantly and how does that need to be changed, which might actually change some of the other structures? Then we start breaking those things down into pieces to make that ultimate goal possible by taking steps. You probably know that you haven't been living your best life, so give yourself permission to figure out what that means specifically. And this is where I suggest that you imagine how you want to feel every day. If you've achieved this steady, stable, open feeling baseline through all this prior inner work we've discussed, then how can you expand on that feeling? What variables in life contribute to it? What variables have been missing that you know would help? Tap into your sensations. What do you want life to look, feel, and even smell like? And what does that mean about changes moving forward? Who is the full you and what does that existence look and feel like? Think big. Don't limit yourself in what you dream up. Most likely your head will try to convince you that everything is outside your reach, but that's just based on prior experience, not future reality. So will it take some time and effort to make that move, to quit that job, to have safe relationships? to live in your dream home with a healthy and well-balanced life. Yeah, sure fucking thing. It's what we've all been striving for and haven't been delivered yet. So it's easy to feel pre-defeated before believing in your ability to try again. And the time question may seem like a deterrent. But it's going to have to be something that you're working towards if you want your progress to continue progressing forever. And you know that the past however many years have already fucking blown. Consider the time you've already devoted to not 
living for your own self. So does it really matter if it takes a while to achieve that ultimate goal when the alternative is continuing to wait to die with the way things have always been, right? So yeah, it's a long game, like we keep saying, but how can you make the best move now to start heading in the right direction while making these bigger life-altering changes? Don't get ahead of yourself. Don't try to force change immediately. These things need to be considered and then allowed to sort of naturally develop as you continue to. Take your time. No need to leap right away unless it is something that's an actual danger to you immediately, in which case do what you have to do to stay safe and keep your brain safe, period. Do it now. But keep in mind, yeah, it's going to be an unfolding process to achieve this outer integration, and it's going to be pretty fucking scary to consider any of these actions in a, I'm sorry, sort of rigid or foggy trauma brain condition. Even replacing daily behaviors that do not have a larger meaning or potential to upset your whole life can bring massive internal resistance. You know, before we try, our brains often assess that we can't. And that feeling of personal incapacity, you know from prior episodes, creates anxiety and self-defeat before we even attempt it. Not to mention feeling trapped in those circumstances. But that's the thing about trauma recovery. At its very core, it's about challenging what scares you. We can't say it again, but we will, I guess. PTSD is born from subjective experience of fear. Continuing to live in fear or by the limitations created through avoiding things that are fearful is continuing to live in PTSD through the lens of trauma applied to so many daily situations. So to deal with this, you're going to have to notice and name your fear, but then also recontextualize it as being the exact opposite of what your body tells you it means. When your body screams, run, this is danger, you're going to have to calmly ask, but is it though? Or is this some historical shit still running the show right now? And trust what you find out from the inside out. At the end of the day, healing trauma is definitely a lot of mental work. But I have to proclaim in reality that recovery comes from the guts. It's contained deep in your body. You have a way back to that body localized far from in your guttural space. And this energy source, I mean, it'll give you the bravery that you need to do the difficult work in order to heal, in order to reset your life. And that's what we're going to talk about next time as we pick back up to discuss our final point for the season, everything that goes into breaking the cycle of generational trauma, starting with I'll state it again, having real motherfucking guts. So whenever you're feeling like fear is challenging your brain and your progress, remember, you're exactly where you need to be. 
recovering from those impulses by acknowledging and naming them and then pushing forward through them anyways safely and with self-consideration to challenge what you find on the other side, recreating what you find on the other side. Immersion therapy, CBT in real life with real physical outcomes, which you can direct and manage your damn self. You are a strong, powerful, capable motherfucker. And don't let any of this inner or outer work deter you or tell you otherwise. And if you want a whole lot more fucking information on how to do all of this effort, there's great news. We just spent a few months in the community going through it in deep detail with exercises and community guides to help you do it yourself. Just throwing it out there. But Regardless of where I catch you next, hail yourself. Hail your inner and outer work, reintegrating what you've seen with who you really are and becoming your full self. Hail Archie, who forced my hand at so much of the same exact effort. And cheers, y'all. See you real soon. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit Juvederm.com.